Three, two, two, one. one. Hey, Dan, I was just thinking, how do you think we should get into this episode? Ah, it's easy. What do you think? Ah, what's your favorite oatmeal? What's my favorite oatmeal? Yeah. Do I like them steel-cut oats uh, with mixed berries and brown sugar? Ah, the, the berries? Berries. I yeah. like blueberries. I like raspberries. Occasionally, not all the time, some blackberries. Yeah. And I do like bananas in there, too. All together? Yeah, all in one bowl. <laughs> Sounds pretty tasty. Pretty tasty. Yeah. Hey, what's your favorite oatmeal? <laughs> I like the berries. I like um, dried fruits sometimes, though, like uh, craisins, yeah. raisins. <clears throat> That's good stuff. Maybe, yeah, some dried bananas mm-hmm. to some go with DBs. the craisins and the raisins. <laughs> craisins, raisins, and doobies. <laughs> yeah. Dude, well, I just want to acknowledge, I feel like you were able to pinpoint what it is your favorite oatmeal there pretty quickly. Yeah. That's growth, man. <laughs> Super easy. <laughs> Super easy. I like some oatmeal. All right. Why don't we jump in? Don't you got some night shouts for us? Dude. Well, first, we're going to be on flag today. That's exciting, huh? Oh, uh, yeah. Be on. I'm, it, I'm super excited. Yeah, no doubt. But I do got some nice shouts. Not to be repetitive, but I do want to shout out the Flag Film Fest and Orpheum Flag again. Well, they, they earned it. They earned it. So last week, they showcased Colorado River Days. Ah, some good films. Oh, I really enjoyed it. There were three particularly that really stood out to me. Um, and they involved some local people here as well. Yeah. You know, the first one was Water Flows Together, which was a, uh, a short film that elevates the importance of acknowledging indigenous land and outdoor recreation through the voice of Colleen Cooley, who lives here in Flag. And she's one of the few female Diné river guides on the San Juan. Yeah. How powerful. What a great presence. Great presence. And that, that film is so cool. You know, she was just talking about growing up in Shanto. She was talking about connection to land, connection to water, and just a lot of the wisdom and in indigenous custom. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was such a great film. Yeah. I, I thought they had the other one, uh, Martin's Boat. That one was super mm. good, too. Yeah. Um, like, so powerful, both about just briefly touching on the benefits of conservation, yeah. but... Um, also just about using the river as an emblematic microcosm of life. Yeah. Yeah. So it was good. Thought-provoking. Thought-provoking. Man, and just to like, I guess this is long before us, but him fighting wholeheartedly or putting so much effort into preventing a dam from being built in Marble Canyon. Yeah. It's unbelievable to think there could be a dam there. Yeah. And making it possible for people to use the river still. So that one yeah. was... Uh, that was produced by Pete McBride, and it's Martin Linton that um, advocated to keep that dam out of there. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And they, they featured Dale Duffy in there um, and his dad. And a, a quick anecdote, I think my folks used to run boats with his dad. Oh, really? Back in the day, yeah. 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 They ran a boat with him. Really good film. Yeah, great film. Martin's Boat. And then there was another one that was super fun to watch called Can't Beat This Place for Fun. And this was a, a film about fretwater boat works right here in Flagpole. Ah, here in Flagpole, Arizona. Here in Flagpole, Arizona. Nice. And it featured Brad Dimmick and Amy Cricket Rust and Pat Clark, who were cranking uh, wooden dories out of that boat shop. Yeah. And it looked like they're having a really bitching time while they're doing it. Good for them. Good for them, man. Um, and kind of connecting Martin's boat with that one is they were talking about how his legacy lives through those wooden dories. Yeah. They would name them after uh, places that have been harmed by man. Yeah, basically. land. Yeah, yeah. So super, super bitch and film fest or video sh- uh, virtual showcase again. Um, big shout out to Flag Film Fest and Orpheum Flag for yeah. for hosting. Good for you guys. Thank you. Yeah. Next, shout out another podcast from Flagpole, Arizona as well. Hey, 
more potties dropping out of flagpole. Yeah. What do we got? Desert Voices. Hey, Holland and Shailene. Yeah, shout out. So um, a lot of work put into it. Um, yeah, that first episode, really powerful concepts, I thought. Mm, yeah, mm. Uh, interesting parallels and, and, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. About the world, about fire, Yeah, yeah. about actually, um, yeah, the benefits that come from fire. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So big shout out to Holland Chaline, Desert Voices. We want to, uh, for me, I'm just excited to see more content come out of this town. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. cool to see people doing yeah. things, creating. Yeah. Last nice shout for the day. Oh man, the homie, the underscore homie. Josie R underscore the homie, our neighbor. She has a really unique vantage point, huh? Yeah. <laughs> she gets to kind of see our dynamic play out, like our relation and sh- our relationship play out in real time. <laughs> So beyond just uh, our <laughs> maybe jabs at each other on Instagram and Twitter and that kind of thing. But she gets to see us actually be jackasses in the real world. In real time. Yeah. Super fortunate for her. Yeah, I was. that was my thought. Like, that must be really nice for her. <laughs> but with that... Really to, patient, kind, understanding person oh, still talks to us after witnessing that. Yeah, it's, it is surprising. It must take a lot on her part. But uh, we want to thank Josie for, for shouting us out and... Um, she sent us a really kind message just about uh, she's been sharing the acceptance pod mm-hmm. with, with some friends of hers. And so we just want to say thank you for the support. And it's uh, it's good being homies. Yeah. Nice shout, Jay Money. Nice shout, Jay Money. <clears throat> hey, right. I got a quick anecdote, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Following up on patience. Oh, yeah, yeah. So last weekend, uh, the Wolfpack you'll hear about in this episode <laughs> uh we, Wolfpack rivals rivals to the coconino to, cowboys yeah we're almost as fast equal in numbers but uh we went and did the new heart trail <laughs> and uh uh oh, man. i would say that we were uh we got lost so the new heart trail just got done <clears throat> yeah yeah you guys- it's super rad yeah, super rad. So oh, if yeah. anyone gets a chance to go up the New Heart Trail, uh, right up Eldon, it is a great trail. And you guys got lost. We got lost mostly because we're dumb. <laughs> it's pretty hard to get lost, I think. <laughs> so, I wasn't gonna say anything, but I had another friend tell me they just went and rode it, and they're like, and I, I said I had, I had some friends who said they got lost on it, and he's like, huh. How would you do that? <laughs> that was kind of his response. Yeah. He didn't say it in, the, that, in those words, but uh, it was kind of like written all over his face. Yeah. But you were kind of showcasing that same thing just a second ago when yeah. I brought it up. Like, how could you get lost on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we got lost. We took the old heart trail to the new heart trail and then missed the, the old heart trail on the way back down. Mm. Ended up running a couple of miles beyond where we wanted to turn. At any rate, uh, patience, man. So I was just talking about that exact thing in that last podcast. Like mm-hmm. when you misjudge mileage or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, get lost, it's really easy to become impatient. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, for me, actually, our episode was ringing in my ears. I was thinking like, <laughs> okay, just let this unfold on its own time. Keep hiking back to where we need to go kind of thing. Yeah, this is its own process. This is its own process. And it was hot as bees out there. And we had no wawa. <laughs> it, was a, it was a scorcher, man. <laughs> It was tough. Oh, man. But we made it. Yeah, it was hot. It's unseasonably hot. It was unseasonably hot this last weekend. It was. Yeah. It was un- unreal. I'm so, glad you guys survived. Hey, thanks, Dan. How did the patients pull through? The patients pulled through, man. I think th- for the most part, the wolf pack kept it together. Just yeah. a couple panic attacks from, from various members, but uh, everyone lived, man. We're good. <laughs> That's good. There's a lot to learn. <laughs> panic attacks are part of the process. That's part of the process. You just got to ride that out and let and it unfold at its own time. Yeah.
no doubt. Okay. So what do we got going? Ah, super stoked for today. Yeah. Yeah. For this show, we're going beyond flag with Eric Sensman, a.k.a. Captain Americana. I like that. Yeah. You know what I'm referencing, right? Oh, it's got to be the photo, yeah. huh? Check out ericsensman.com. Yeah. Photo in and of itself, Captain Americana. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Eric is a professional ultra runner. He's a running coach, and he's also the director of strategy, DOS, for Squirrels Nut Butter. Dang, he's the DOS for SNB. Yeah. Dang. That's okay. got, got that CDA, Cody's daily acronym. There we go. Yeah. Eric has a bachelor's degree in philosophy from Texas Christian University and a master's degree in philosophy from the University of Wisconsin. So he went to opposite mm. corners of the country. Yeah. And he also talks about diverse cultures in those two towns. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he has worked in renewable energy and is a journalist in the past, and he's currently running for Flagstaff City Council. Okay. Election day, November 3rd. 3rd. Get in them ballots. Yeah. Yeah. From what I can tell, Eric demonstrates a genuine curiosity in the world and a connection to Flagstaff here. Um, uh, A listener recommended that we interview him, and here we are doing the the interview for him. That happened quick, huh? It did. Yeah. Yeah. Short, Short turnaround there. So Eric has traveled all over the U.S. before settling down here in Flagstaff, Arizona, and describes this area as better than any other in terms of trail accessibility. So it'll be fun to explore how he lived all over and then chose to land Mm. here in Flagstaff, Arizona. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Let's go beyond flag with Eric Sense Men. Welcome to Beyond Flag, a Beyond the Pines production, created by, with, and for the people of Flagstaff, building connection in the town we love. We are your hosts, Dr. Daniel J. Phillips, and Cody Bayless, also known as Dr. Chinchilla Nice Nice. Thanks for tuning in as we go Beyond Flag, straight from the dunny of our observatory. All right, Bill Coleman, we're in the dunny. In the dunny. Yeah, but it's not just you and me, Dan. We're here with another person. we got another human being here yeah, with us. We are here with Eric Sensman. Before we get going, um, it was important to us, now that you're here with us, we just recognize that you're superior in every way to us. <laughs> <laughs> like your mustache doesn't look picked over, your hair's done, <laughs> like tall, win races, all this kind of stuff. I've never, I've never realized that picked over is the best description for your mustache. Oh, dude, it looks like a... Like a like a beat up garden, man. Yeah, it's awful. And here we got yeah. Captain America. <laughs> I know, man. This picture on the website. Seriously, I look at this picture. And it's like, man, we're here with Captain America. That's amazing. So I don't know if you noticed this, but we put our biggest books next to you, just as kind of like our. That's our power play. That, that's you throwing your weight around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all, all we got. Around. That's all we that's got. All we got two two big books that neither of us have read. That neither of us have read. <laughs> just a couple beta males. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's Eric Sensman yeah. who we got with yeah. us. So. Very nice of you guys to uh, bring me on. And that was that was one of the more um, creative introductions uh, <laughs> yeah, right. in terms of my being brought onto a podcast. So right I like on. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love how Cody takes that automatically as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, you said that we're creative, man. I love that. Yeah, we're in. So Eric, again, thanks, thanks so much for joining us. Um, we just kind of want to start with life now. 
like what's going on for you now? We're about what, six, seven months into the pandemic. Yeah. Things have changed a lot. I guess I'd just be curious to hear what things are like for you right now. As, as particularly as like a sponsored athlete, mm-hmm. I'd be curious about what that's like. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, as we discussed when I walked in, we don't shake hands or, yeah, or hug no. anymore. So that's, that's uh, different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, from the perspective of an athlete. So when I knew things were real, when they stopped spring training, mm-hmm. I'm a big baseball fan mm-hmm. okay. I'm from St. Louis. So I'm a Cardinals fan and, uh, I try to watch all the games and <clears throat> a friend of mine was like, Hey, I don't know if you heard, but the NBA season like they they're they're calling it and i was like ah that's just the nba yeah yeah. i'm not worried and then like the (laughs) next day the mlb season got canceled and i was like oh wow this is something different yeah yeah. um and of course uh then all all any running races were canceled as well um so you kind of have to i think it makes you reevaluate why you do the things you do or what motivates you to do the things you do when you when you take away kind of the outcome mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. Or, or the goal that you're working towards yeah, yeah. and i think yeah so I, I had some difficulties in terms of trying to be motivated to get out and train because when you mm-hmm. train really hard and i'm training for races that are you know 50 miles long mm-hmm. 100 kilometers 100 miles you you really have to running and training has to be the priority every single day you have Mm. to wake up and that has to be the first thing that gets done everything else is secondary Mm -hmm. um and it requires a lot physically uh and and mentally to sort of maintain that keep that moving day after day um and when you don't have that goal what i learned is i got a pretty hard time continuing to do that uh to put myself through that mentally and physically so um it was definitely had some months where it was like, well, I don't, I feel lethargic or yeah, just sort of unmotivated. I don't know what to, there's nothing to train for. So, uh, and I think everyone probably went through that to a degree with something in their life. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. maybe you're just like an avid movie goer and now you can't go to the movies and it's like, well, what do I do? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's been it's been different. Um, I do think in my particular sport, ultra running, very small fields comparatively to yeah. say like a major road marathon. You're talking like fifty to three hundred people, <laughs> yeah. uh, very yeah. long. So you're you're very quickly alone. Spread out. Uh, yeah. Typically, yeah. you're you're outdoors. <laughs> so um, some races have started to come back mm-hmm. uh, with with a little bit different protocols in place, but. Mm-hmm. I do think it's a sport that, if uh, of any sport, is capable of returning to competition in a in a safe manner. So I, I am actually signed up for a fifty mile race in November, um, the JFK fifty mile, which I've run a few times. Ah, yeah. And is the oldest uh, fifty. I think it might be the the oldest continuously run ultra in the country because it oh. started in. 62 maybe okay um so it's 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 been around um it's typically over a thousand people it's actually generally uh, almost every year is the largest ultra marathon as well so uh we'll see what happens if they actually have the race yeah are they limiting Um, entrance you would have to suspect so now what some other races have done is wave starts where you're starting with like 30 people at a time Mm -hmm. you know a couple Mm -hmm. minutes apart that would be a long starting line with oh, a yeah. thousand people. But, uh, yeah, we'll just see, you know, if I'm feeling comfortable to travel and if the race actually happens. But, uh, 
I'm glad I signed up because I've been running more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so having that goal kind of gets you back on the trail. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just don't think I realized how important that was to, yeah. to sort of motivate me, but, um, yeah, yeah. we're learning. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No doubt. So you're training for JFK 50 and that's in November. Yeah. There's also an election in November. <laughs> so, that's right. Yeah. I guess day to day, it sounds like running's become prioritized. I know you just came over here from a meeting with Chamber of Commerce you mentioned. Um, in addition to running training, what else are you doing? Yeah, so I've held two two jobs with local companies over the last two years. So I moved here in Octo- uh, October 1st, 2017. And initially I worked at the local running store, mm-hmm. Run okay. Flagstaff, mm-hmm. um, which was great. It got me out here. Um and got me started, and then I was fortunate to have these other opportunities pop up. So um, I coach uh, for uh, it's online coaching largely, but for a local company called Sundog Running, um, and then I am a director of strategy at a local company, Squirrels Nut Butter. Now that uh-huh. title, there's maybe four of us and um i gave it to myself yeah sure director of strategy but the the dos yeah the dos (laughs) if you were to google director of strategy uh and learn what that even is do i fulfill many of those roles i do so you know i I feel okay about about calling myself that um yeah but that that, that's been really fun so we make an all-natural anti-chafe and skin restoration salve um i feel like we're i'm like this is becoming an info commercial no yeah that was that was so well put i've heard i've heard i've heard it referred to as so many other things yeah but say that one more time what is it it? it's an all-natural anti-chafe and skin restoration salve okay with just four ingredients yeah we we can keep going but no that's that's the the most kosher description of it i've ever heard what, uh, what description do you hear? Yeah. Uh, let's keep this for the family. You, <laughs> you got it. You put it on parts of your body. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. The PG version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, that's been really, really cool. I came in at an interesting time. Uh, the company had been around a couple years, still sort of getting their proverbial feet under them. Mm-hmm. Um, started selling on on Amazon and starting started picking up some bigger accounts but but very much uh, in terms of infrastructure logistics um, strategy uh, did not have things in place and didn't have much of a plan so I I was able to come in and have a lot of uh, autonomy and um, uh, valued input that that led very clearly to yeah. a lot of successes in the last few years so that's yeah. been really cool very cool. So it's grown a lot. Yeah. What are kind of the next steps for Squirrel Nut Butter? Yeah, we took a big step just a couple months ago, uh, maybe six weeks ago now, and we started selling our product directly on Amazon instead of using a third party. Okay. Um, so we have been using a third party. So that was a bit of a risk, but so yeah. far it's paying off well. Um, yeah, the the margins are a lot higher yeah. is the big thing. Yeah. But the question was do we know how to use Amazon? Like, <laughs> so we're just going to sell it ourselves. Yeah. So who's going to take care of yeah. that? And it's like, all right, well, obviously I'll, I'll be part of that team. And, um, I have a good friend who has an MBA, uh, and a uh, re- real smart guy. He's actually in Florida, but brought him in. Um, and so he's helping, he started helping with the finances a year ago, but he's yeah. helping on this Amazon project and we're sort of figuring it out. So. Yeah. 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 What a great thing to figure out because yep. that like, that's going to be the way it, things go in the future. Absolutely. So, yeah. I, I joke with the owner, Chris Thornley, that 
I'm really just using this to parlay it into a well-paying job. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm jump ship. Yeah. 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 Uh, no doubt. Yeah, on track. Um, good culture over there. Good people. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Chris Thornley and his wife, Stacy, um, have both, well, Stacy may actually be from Flagstaff, but Chris moved here in the 90s. Big outdoors guy. Mm-hmm. Um, moved here because he was a rock climber. Mm-hmm. So he'd been here a long time. He started a tree trimming business. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which was, I think, Agassiz cutting. Mm-hmm. I want to say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did he? Ever, did he ever cut your trees? He did. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, real quick interjection. Yeah. He. I think our house was one of the last homes he ever cut trees for before oh. going to Squirrels Nut Butter full time. Yeah. Didn't so, you tell me that he was talking to you? He was like, "Yeah, I'm ready to dip out. I'm hitting." I'm yeah. He's like, squirrels. "This is my last week," and yeah. he left a bunch of Squirrels Nut Butter for me, which is oh, super cool. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's yeah generous to a fault yeah. it's a very very kind man the director yeah. of strategy sees it as a fault <laughs> yeah. Yeah. super cool guy uh yeah so he i think he did that for like 10 years i think he was just wearing on him because that's like you know pretty labor intensive work when you're climbing up and down trees and cutting legs yeah. and yeah um but yeah uh good good people at squirrels nut butter very good culture yeah mm-hmm. very cool it makes me curious what what does it practically look like in a week for you? Because um, it sounds so fluid. Um, so balancing the coaching and yeah. working with schools and up butter, what does that look like? And well, running. Yeah, let's use yesterday as an yeah. example. Yesterday yeah. I had it all. Um, mm-hmm. I woke up at six forty-five. Yeah. Uh, I did about forty-five minutes of work for Squirrels Nut Butter. Um, there's typically some stuff at the start of the day that needs to get pieced together. Uh, you know, drank my coffee, had my breakfast. My buddy picked me up, um, my buddy Tim at eight o'clock. We drove up to Schultz Tank, ran up the Weatherford Trail mm-hmm. and back down mm-hmm. about 14 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, got home at 1135, very quickly showered, ate some leftover pizza. Then the day really got started. Uh, went to Squirrels Not Butter, mm-hmm. um, had some work to get done again, pretty quick, 30 minutes, mm-hmm. some shipping, some different things. Then I had a haircut. I don't know. That's why my hair looks good. Oh, <laughs> that's what there it is. is. That's what it I is. I planned it for yeah. this podcast. Yeah. Well done. He would be on our level if yes, it weren't right. for that. If it weren't for that yeah. haircut, it wasn't for the haircut. Um, so I got my haircut. Uh, Val's workshop downtown, great spot. Uh, put a couple signs up, the uh, campaign signs. I saw those. Owner, yeah, I saw those. The owner was nice enough um, to. Yeah, uh, Val was nice enough to let me put them up. Uh, then I had to go to the bank, deposit a check into my campaign account from some you know, funding uh, that came in, some fundraising. Then I went to the president of the NAU Running Club's house and dropped off about five signs. Um, then I came home, it's about 2.45, finally was able to get on my computer. I had to write five training plans, got those done. Um, I had to do a short video for one of my running sponsors, um, Rabbit. They make great clothes. Uh, and then I had to prep for a Zoom call at 6 with Flagstaff Moms Demand Action. So I did about an hour and a half of research and putting some things together. Um, and then when that finished at 7, I cracked open a beer. Yeah. Yeah, well, you earned it. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt that way. Yeah. yeah. Did well, that leftover pizza, did that keep you satiated throughout the day? Oh, I did have a snack uh, later before the, the Zoom call. Good. Okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd overlooked that. <laughs> and then my my lovely partner, Jackie, made a uh, delicious uh, dinner. So, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Busy day and diverse. Like, just, it's different stuff yeah. all throughout the day. 
Yeah, I kind of uh, have found a way to structure my life where I'm never really doing one thing mm-hmm. um, for very long. I, yeah. I don't like. I don't think I've like ADD or anything. Like I, <laughs> I can concentrate on stuff, but I, I I really like um, I really yeah. like switching gears and just using my brain differently. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so that typically in a day happens a lot. Uh, no doubt. So a nice different, like a bunch of different tasks doing different things. Yeah. I, I'll just think most people going up and down Weatherford at, by 8.30 in the morning, whatever, just be like, okay, that's a day. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think yeah. we're good. The 14, trail. the 14 mile run is the day activity. Yeah. Right. Not, totally. not just one of the precursors. <laughs> and to then the spend day. five days recovering. Yeah. 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 So Flagstaff <laughs> moms demanding action. What kind of action are they demanding? Yeah. For, um, Largely uh, gun control hmm. uh, or or um, trying to... They're not against guns. They make that very clear. But they're against gun violence. And so hmm. what, what are ways we can reduce gun violence? Um, they were curious from the, the city level, the mayor and city council, what sort of things, what ideas we had that we could implement. Um, really when it comes to gun control those are going to be state and federal laws um so a lot of it if if you're concerned with gun violence and want gun control to be more strict is about endorsing candidates at the state and federal level that Mm. have that same view Mm -hmm. Um, but at the city level there's still a number of things that can be done so uh i was looking over the flagstaff um flagstaff police department statistics annual report from last year Mm -hmm. and so i just the the way i approach any issue um whether it's yeah the gun violence or something else is first go out and grab all the data find all the evidence you can and this i'm sure we'll talk more about this but this gets into my sort of um background in philosophy and this was one of the uh the things that I guess I learned or, or yeah. formed me, molded me. So yeah. you got to go out and get all the evidence. You can't leave stuff out if you don't like it. You got to include that too. Um, <laughs> Bummer, this, huh? this sounds. I I don't know that you're gonna make it in politics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, a problem. <laughs> like formulating decisions based on data. Weird. Yeah, yeah. It might just be four years locally, and then yeah, you can't get any higher on this uh, platform. No, um, no, this too is much inspiring. This is inspiring to hear. So you went and collected. The yeah. Information. So I went out and I said, okay, well, what's going on? How many deaths are there? How many arrests mm-hmm. are there? How mm-hmm. many violent crimes are there? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit more difficult to determine how many were by gun mm-hmm. as opposed to knife or something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When it comes to violent crime, um, they don't parse it that finely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, I got all those statistics and I looked at, uh, just did research online. Um, just asked, how do you reduce gun violence in mm-hmm. cities? Mm-hmm. And there's lots of great stuff out there. And I, I came across this book by this criminologist mm-hmm. who, um, some of his policies and suggestions have been implemented in big cities across the country, mm-hmm. Oakland, for example, mm-hmm. and between like 2012 and 2017 in Oakland, when they implemented some of these policies, crime, violent crime reduced by like 70%. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, real world examples mm-hmm. uh, of how, you know, these things can be put into place. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah. And then I just talked about how in Flagstaff, well, first we're in a relatively good position. Um, violent crime is very, very low. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I just talked about, you know, if we're trying to get that number to zero, 
that sounds nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, here are some ideas. Here yeah. are some things that have worked. So. Based on information and then uh, yep. empirical, <laughs> empirically demonstrated exactly. experiences. Yeah, Dan's yeah. still blown away that that's not the process for everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, this is what leads me. Yeah. Cody witnesses me short circuit, and I can't put together... <laughs> When people don't collect information and make decisions based on the information, it's yeah. one of my favorite things to watch. Honestly, <laughs> just Dan's brain just short circuit. You can like, see, it's like palpable. You yeah, can like see it oh, happen. Yeah, yeah. I described it the other day. It's like watching a fly go across the room in slow motion and hit a window. <laughs> <laughs> just so, yeah, like I got <laughs> smack, smack. Yeah, yeah, there we are. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So, yeah. what, what were some of those things that help reduce seventy uh, percent? I mean, that's a staggering yeah. figure. So what they've tried to do um, is build trust in the community. Um, a lot of that is communication and sort mm-hmm. of open forums. Um, second, augmenting the police force with other agencies, mm-hmm. such as social service uh, workers and healthcare professionals. Um, and third is a policy called uh, focused deterrence. And it turns out that, like in Oakland, for example, I don't know the exact population, but hundreds of thousands, Mm -hmm. and they identified a group of about 400 people that were at the highest risk Mm -hmm. to commit a violent crime. Mm -hmm. Because in in most cities, it's actually a very small number of people Mm -hmm. that are likely to to commit Mm -hmm. these crimes. And basically, they go and they, they contact them and say, hey, look, we know who you are. We know your history because most of them have a history of violent mm-hmm. crime. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd like to see this stop. Uh, and so we what we want to work with you and mm-hmm. try to help you to better yourself, get out of a position where mm-hmm. you need to be doing these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't, we know who you mm-hmm. are. We're going to arrest you. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, and so they, what they do is they try to put them in touch with some of these agencies. Mm-hmm. So you, you've, you have not, to spend money. Yeah, not um, in a punitive way either. Right, correct. So when they approach these people, yes. they're looking to get them connected to, yes. to social programming. That's, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So it's not we're here to arrest you. Mm-hmm. Um, that last point was just like, you know, yeah. if you keep committing it, violent crime, go we've, got to, we've got to arrest yeah, you. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they try to get them, they try to better their life. Um, and what, what a novel idea, you know, oh, yeah. crime can be reduced by improving people's livelihood. Yeah. Um, isn't that a wonderful, a wonderful world instead mm-hmm. of just yeah. letting it happen and locking people up? Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, some, some really good stuff out there. I forget the name of the book, um, that, that I, I came across by this criminologist, but, uh, it we, sounded like something I'd like to read. Yeah, we can look it up and then uh, post it in the show notes. Yeah, well. yeah, that'd be great. Um, it makes me curious. So you kind of just tipped your hat a moment ago talking about um, studying philosophy. And so, yeah, we read a bit about you and saw that um, you attended, I guess, Texas Christian University mm-hmm. and then U of W. So, yeah, tell us a bit about how you ended up at TCU and ended up as a philosophy major at TCU. Damn, we back, we selling them. Selling them. What do we got today? We got a 2011 International Pro Star, TA Truck Tractor Pro Star. Pro Star twice? Yeah, just in case you're confused on what kind of star it is. Ah, okay. Straight out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. What does this Pro Star got? Comes with Cummins ISX 450 HP. Assuming that's horsepower, not Hewitt Packard. (laughs) Comes with an engine brake. 10 speed AR suspension. I think this is a great, great one because I know our listeners have been looking for tractor trailers. Yeah, no doubt. So. And this this joint is 
It looks like a banana. It's bright yellow. For all the listeners at home, write this down. It's post ID 719-256-1711. 719-256-1711. Get thems. Yeah, tell us a bit about how you ended up at TCU and ended up as a philosophy major at TCU. Yeah, the, uh, I find it an interesting story, but it's my life. I'm a little biased, right? <laughs> uh, I, when I was applying to schools, my sister is 10 and a half months older than me. So we're, we're quite close in age. Okay. And uh, so she had gone to TCU. They have a rather good music department. And she initially okay. went there for um, music education. Yeah. Uh, and she got an education degree, but not music-based. So she was down there. We were pretty close. And she said, hey, when you're applying to colleges, you should apply to TCU. Yeah. And I was like, sure. And you, um, you're at St. Louis. And I'm in St. Louis. That's yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. And I actually wanted to go to the East or West Coast. Mm -hmm. So I applied to like UCSB and mm -hmm. um, I think Stanford didn't get in there. Uh, um, Boston University, Boston College. Yeah. Uh, I was, so I was looking. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, but I applied to TCU. And I think I got into like six of the eight schools I applied to. Mm -hmm. And then TCU sent me a letter and said, hey we'll give you 50% off your tuition as an academic scholarship. Yeah, we, yeah. we will offer you a scholarship. And yeah. I was like, that sounds sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, sounds like I'm going to TCU. Yeah. Uh, so I did. Um, and when I got there, my intention was to prepare for law school. I thought I wanted to go to law school. So I started as a political science major. And they didn't really have a pre-law program. It was like loosely based. But... Um, they said, okay, if you're going to do pre-law, here's the courses you should take. And in addition to a number of political science courses and otherwise, there was a critical reasoning course, which was in the philosophy department. So I took that class. I did extremely well. And towards the end of the semester, the prof my professor said, hey, you should major in philosophy. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I really liked it. Uh, it seems like I'm good at whatever it is you guys do. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm planning to go to law school. And he's like, oh. That's great. Tons of uh, law school students were philosophy majors. Mm -hmm. You know, it gets you, it's writing yeah. and it's thinking mm -hmm. and it's logic. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, yeah. Yeah. I'm convinced. So, so I did. I switched my major my second year, third semester, I think it was. Um, and then really just got into, yeah, took tons of philosophy classes uh, in all sorts of topics. My um, advisor who suggested that I, uh, major in philosophy, he was really into formal epistemology, which mm. is basically using logic, probability theory, decision theory to uh, make sense of the world, figure out how you know mm. things uh, and how to make decisions based on what you mm. know. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I just got uh, super into that field. Mm -hmm. um, and so I wrote a thesis my senior year on um, justified inconsistent beliefs. And so I was, I was asking the question, can you have a belief system where two, at least two beliefs are inconsistent, mm -hmm. but you're actually justified in believing everything that you believe, mm -hmm. even though at least one belief has to be false? Mm -hmm. um, and wow. Yeah, it, it was really interesting. Yeah. Uh, so that got me into grad school. Um, yeah. That paper, along with you take the GRE. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And so I, I got into University of Wisconsin Madison, um, which I was well, really yeah. Really hang on, about. yeah. How, how, so <laughs> we'll take a step oh, back <laughs> before this we go really, forward. This is this is phenomenal. So um, I'm super curious. Do you have any practical examples? Yeah, of I something do. That demonstrates that. Uh, yeah, I was hoping you'd ask. Yeah, yeah. Well, I asked. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't. I didn't want to presume and just start, you know, boring you. Oh no. So we yeah. used uh, lotteries. Um, by way of example or application. So you have a lottery and let's say there's a hundred tickets. Um, so the probability for any given ticket to win is 1%. Yeah. There's a 99% chance it doesn't win because also in this model, you're assuming exactly one ticket will win. Uh So you would be justified because you have a 99% probability of believing for any given ticket that it's going to lose. But you also believe that one ticket will win because that's built into the model. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you add all those beliefs together, you're, you don't believe that any of the tickets will win individually, but you also or... believe that one of them will, and those are inconsistent. So the question is, are you justified? So again, it's a case, this is a very, very simple case, but you use probability to say, yes, you are justified, and here's how. And you use probability theory to show, look for any given belief that you have, mm-hmm. the probability of it is 99% or higher. Mm-hmm. You should always believe something if it has a 99% probability or higher. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, the short version mm-hmm. uh, of kind of how that argument works. So, um, yeah, lotteries, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty fascinating. Yeah, that's a really interesting example. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah, ne- next time I encounter cognitive dissonance <laughs> with a client, I'm just gonna can I can I get a copy of that paper? Yeah. <laughs> just hand them the paper. Like here's a sentiment. What year yeah. was that? Yeah. That was yeah. We we'll have to get that out of the archives. What year was <laughs> yeah. that? 2010, I think that would have been. Yeah. Um, the bigger question we were working that that's like um, kind of getting zooming in. Yeah. But yeah. the bigger question that my uh, advisor was asking and that I was also interested in is, what is the best model for knowledge so there are a number of models in epistemology like um for example foundationalism Mm -hmm. or theory you know it's a theory and it says the way that you know things is by starting with the foundation of things that you know like um logical truths like um one plus one equals two that's Mm -hmm. a foundational knowledge well if you know that then you can build off that you know that you know whatever things that entails um, what we were working with was a model or a theory called, uh, coherentism. And you know something insofar as that belief is produced from a coherent belief system. Mm-hmm. So if a belief system is coherent, mm-hmm. then any belief that you develop from that system will, will be justified, mm-hmm. um, basically. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the folks at University of Wisconsin liked it, I guess, enough to, that's where in. you went. Yeah. That's where I went. Yeah. So, so did you have an interest in going to UW, and um, how did you pick UW as one of the places you wanted to go to next? Because that's really different from Texas itself, right. Right. and kind of a similar. I, I wonder if it's a similar atmosphere on campus or not. Quite a lot different. Is it? Um, those two cultures for sure. Um, yeah rather different i wasn't so much concerned with that i was worried about getting into the best possible program i Mm -hmm. could so Mm -hmm. i basically applied to all the top 25 schools Mm -hmm. in the country Mm -hmm. uh and uw was the highest ranked one that i got into Mm -hmm. i think they were 
16th or something mm-hmm, in mm-hmm, the country. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's why I, that's why I went there. Mm-hmm. I, I, but I think I lucked out because uh, Wisconsin's a beautiful state. Um, Madison is a wonderful town, mm-hmm. um, and I I had a really great two and a half years mm-hmm. uh, being there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I, I started in a PhD program. I left after I got my master's. Mm-hmm. Um, what I found was, as interesting as it is, uh, reminiscing on, say, my paper from, mm-hmm. from my senior year yeah. of college, uh, if you want to get a PhD and you want to be, you have to get published. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you guys, I, I imagine, know this to an extent, having, having PhDs <laughs> yourselves. Uh, Don't assume anything. <laughs> this is why we're not in academia. <laughs> <laughs> Although in a different field, uh, but in mm-hmm. philosophy, you had to start making these points that were so uh, fine-grained, like yeah. so down the rabbit hole, yeah. um, in order to make to, you know to, for something something new, yeah, so, you yeah. know, but, so, yeah. contribute to the field so and to the research. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, but this doesn't. No one's life is going to change based mm-hmm. on this point I'm making. Yeah. And probably like five people will read yeah, it. Yeah, handful of people read it. Yeah, and there's just no, it's not at all applicable mm-hmm. to people's lives. And mm-hmm. I, I just, that didn't sit well with me. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I, that that doesn't motivate me to want to mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. It makes me think I should do something else, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I realized that, I was like, well, I'm like a semester away from my master's. Let's get the master's and we'll get out of here. So. Wow. Was that a tough decision-making process? Was that a tough shift, like a paradigm shift at all? Um, probably, I think like all things, uh, there, there are many like inputs that slowly like change mm-hmm. the way you think about something, mm-hmm. which ultimately leads you to maybe very different beliefs over time, but like mm-hmm. it never feels at any given time, like you've had some radical shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think when I came in, I was all gung ho about, you know, being an academic and researching and, Mm. um, philosophy can save the world or, you know, whatever Mm. ideals I may have had. (laughs) Uh, and I think by the end I was like, oh, um, I think academics just don't really get what's going on. (laughs) And, uh, I don't, I don't think that researching at this level is valuable. What I did think was extremely valuable was the teaching and that I very, very much enjoyed. Uh, I was lucky enough actually by my third semester, I was a lecturer. So I had my own class. Mm -hmm. Typically you'd be a teaching assistant for four semesters, but they just happened to be a little short with their lectures. And I had, really good um scores for Mm -hmm. my my ta Mm -hmm. uh my teaching um from the student evaluations Mm -hmm. and so yeah they made me a lecture my my third year so i had three semesters of lecturing um, which was just awesome i really really enjoyed that i think learning and teaching philosophy on that level is super valuable it changes um people's worldview it makes them see the world differently it makes them see themselves differently um I taught an applied ethics course uh, to juniors. Yeah, yeah. And one, uh, that there's this famous sort of uh, case that Peter Singer brings up. And it's called, um, I forget the, like, the name of the thought experiment now, but the question is, um, if you see 
let's suppose that you're walking along one day mm-hmm. next to a pond, mm-hmm. wherever that is. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Not here. We don't have water. <laughs> oh, I got oh, a Francis Shore Pond over there. <laughs> yeah, yes, Fran- Francis Shore Pond <laughs> over at Thorpe Park. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or Schultz Tank, which is getting increasingly yeah. low. Yeah. But uh, you're walking along, and you see a baby that has his somehow fallen into the pond, and it's yeah. drowning. Uh-huh. Um, and the the you 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 see it and you're like oh there's a baby drowning should i help or not this is the question and it turns out that that day you're wearing your favorite pants okay and these pants were not cheap and you like them a lot pants or jorts jorts Jor- yeah, yeah what do you, yeah. your favorite his, uh, his, accoutrement his favorites are jorts so it would be jorts for you yeah expensive yeah. jorts the only thing <laughs> that is a connection with expensive jorts <laughs> does yeah. that exist that's like an oxymoron it is an oxymoron <laughs> I think jorts are free, right? Uh, well, I mean, what, what was once pants. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay, okay. Expensive so, pants. So so Cody's walking along. Cody's walking Schultz along. Tank yep. that's getting increasingly small, and the baby has fall, fallen into the small part of the pond right. that's left. It's more like yeah. a mud pit, probably, yeah. but it's sucking the baby yeah. down. Okay. Yeah. And Cody's, Cody's thinking, I got these uh, super nice jorts. Yep. Dilemma. Okay. Yeah, this is the moral dilemma. Yeah. So the question is, okay, despite that fact, do you help the baby and ruin your jorts? The important thing here mm. is they're gone forever. Mm. You've, you've Not recoverable. That's right. That's the end of them. Yeah. And uh, Peter Singer says, well, yes, obviously you do, because if you didn't, you'd be an awful person. Yeah. Uh, mm. And the calculus there is very, very clearly skewed yeah. Yeah. Uh, in favor of human life over Jorts. Jorts. Um, yeah. Which some might, you know, <laughs> Whose take baby was this? Like, <laughs> so you just, do I know the baby? <laughs> Whose baby are yeah. we talking about? It? You just said it's a, the calculation's easy, and Cody's face is like, well, well, it's hold a on. Little Whose baby are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and which which Jorts of mine? I think this comes from his face, to be fair. These Jorts? Cody, Cody yeah. recently lost a real near and dear pair of jorts Ooh. to his heart. So this yeah. is hitting home at the right time. Yeah, I'm actually feeling pre- something pretty strong right now. <laughs> a twinge <laughs> of I trauma. Lost my favorite jorts. Yeah. <laughs> How did you lose them real quick? Well, uh, okay, here we go. So um, my wife, so Jamie, she yeah. hates my jorts. And not, not because they're jorts, but just because I've worn them literally every day since May. <laughs> and, so, and so I had another pair of jorts. They got super messed up. They got tar on them. They were like just ugly <laughs> they had holes all around them they were like botched and so we had gotten home the other night i can't remember i think we had gone out to dinner with with some family got home we were in the backyard and the back pocket was ripped and she just grabbed it and ripped oh. it as hard as she could and just ripped them in half <laughs> ripped the whole back part of my my jorts off yeah and for her it was very cathartic for me it was like just pure grief. A tragedy. Grief. Yeah, just grief loss. loss. Yeah. Went into the Keebler, Keebler Ross. <laughs> yeah, grief. Keebler. I was just stepping right in that Psycho. denial. Yeah. I'd just jump straight to anger. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my jorts. I would yeah. imagine depression. Yeah. You buried the them morning. in the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when he asks whose baby it is, this just comes from a real sensitive yeah. space. I get it. Right I get it. Yeah. Um, and these are important questions. Yeah. Actually, Peter Singer, in the article he wrote where he uses this thought experiment, does talk about who the baby is. Hmm. Uh, and he says, that's a stupid question. doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> ah, 
Oh, I'm gonna oh, hang man. on. That's a, oh, that's a W for me. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> I'm gonna hang on to that for a bit. Who's, who's this Peter Singer? I got a, yeah. Yeah, I got a, a bone point. to pick with. <laughs> I got a point. Well, you and many people, evidently, um, at Princeton when he was there, he for a while had a guard outside of his office for oh, fear wow. of his life. Yeah. Uh, he wrote this book, um, I think in I forget what year, called Animal Liberation. Hmm. It was 1989, and he basically says, hey, it's wrong to torture, what amounts to torture, given yeah. the living conditions. Uh, it's wrong to torture and kill animals for uh-huh. gustatory pleasure. Um, you are, you're a bad person if you, if you yeah. eat factory farm meat. Some people didn't like that message. <laughs> In the U.S.? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and apparently yeah. he had death threats, and uh, it, was, wow. it was a yeah. big thing. Yeah. He, he said some other things that you know, mm. he's... Um, probably the most well-known yeah. modern-day philosopher, but, but but he did name what Cody just the question Cody just asked. He <laughs> did name it as there, stupid. <laughs> okay. That's right. I, so it seems real smart. That may or may not be verbatim, but that's the general <laughs> idea. Phrase. He might have been more eloquent about it. Okay. Um, but the message rings true. Right. Yeah. So to circle back, <laughs> Cody's got to decide yeah. with his nice jorts on if he's going to yeah. save the baby. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And ruin the George. And he's like, of course you would. And he's like, it turns out, though, that every single day, most people in America, uh, or a lot of people in America, choose not to save the baby. This is the way he, like, phrases yeah. it. When you're reading it, you're like, what? Yeah, what yeah, was yeah. he talking about? Plot twist. How much, are there babies yeah. all over the place and yeah. ponds and people are walking by <laughs> yeah, not getting yeah. Like, what's he saying? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this was really fun to teach because you could just see... The in the turn. students yeah brains like just trying to like okay what's going on what's next yeah. um and then he he says look uh let's say you want to go to the movies tomorrow night yeah for example you're gonna spend 30 bucks you're gonna get a ticket you're gonna get popcorn whatever you don't need to spend that money that's that's a, a choice it's superlative it's you know it's over the top it's extra money um there are millions of people starving to death around yeah. the world yeah. who uh, if you sent that thirty dollars mm. to the right organization, could help alleviate some of that yeah, hunger. Yeah. Um, you know, there's one point I forget at the time one point two billion people in the world yeah. who live on two dollars a day or less U.S. buying power yeah. equivalent. Yeah. Um, so, in a very real sense, yeah, you're you're walking by and mm-hmm. you're not you're not helping. And so then he goes through just a Rolodex of objections. And, and one of them is proximity. This was, the students would always bring this up too. And they're like, well, the baby's right in front of you. You can just help it. Mm-hmm. People that are starving to death, a lot of it's sub-Saharan Africa, mm-hmm. a huge mm-hmm. percentage of mm-hmm. that population. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, that's way over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, Peter Singer addresses that. And he's like, look, moral obligation is not based on proximity. Mm-hmm. Proximity is not... Um, mm-hmm. The, the uh, proximity does not make a situation relevantly, morally relevantly different, mm-hmm. is the way he puts it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that doesn't get you off the hook. Mm-hmm. The, the objections are all just about, like, okay, how can I get off the hook? Mm-hmm. In any case, my class the next week, without any prompting of mine, um, it was like 20 students. They brought in, between the 20 of them, $300, and they said, we'd like to donate this to an organization that mm-hmm. you think... Uh, would be best. So I said, okay, we'll we'll send it to Oxfam. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did. And I was mm-hmm. just like, wow, mm-hmm. that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. So, th- so that part I was sad to walk away from mm-hmm. um, because that the experiences like that were, I mean, that's about as good as it gets in mm-hmm. terms of 
fulfillment and, and feeling like you can make a difference in yeah. the world uh, in a positive way. Yeah. yeah, so there's like two things happening simultaneously there in a sense is like one kind of sense like that, like disenfranchisement with academia. Like um, I remember our conversation with Montoya, Dr. Montoya thinking like there are these barriers kind of inherent in the whole system. And it seems like when you become aware of that, it led you elsewhere. Yeah. And then there's also this experience of like, well, there are some things about this that are very meaningful. And so I'm curious where it went from there. All right, we're back. Selling dams. Selling dams from Craigslist. All what right. do we got? Uh, this is a good one. It is. I actually am not familiar with this. Okay. This piece of machinery. Yeah. It's a stump grinder. Uh, that's not machinery. That's a dance move I used to see at Maloney's back in the day. <laughs> oh, no. They're selling stump grinders? <laughs> so is that why Maloney's got shut down? No, nah, that's my best guess. Too much stump grinding? Dude, too much SG on the dance floor. SG on the DF, that's no good. <laughs> Way too much stump grinding. But I'm glad to see they're coming back on Craigslist. Yeah, well, this is different than that. This is different than a dance move at Maloney's. Huh. This is a stump grinder. It's the Power King 11-inch with 14-horsepower Kohler engine. Like new. Used on less than 20 stumps. One to two foot in diameter. Factory teeth over 90%. Plus, comes with replacement set. Boom. What I see there is this joint is ready to grind some stumps. Yeah. So check it out. Post ID 719-254-6571. Get thems. And so I'm curious where it went from there. Sure. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, to, to some extent, um, that was 2013 that I graduated, December 2013 um, from UW. To some extent, I feel like uh, f- running for city council to some degree now is is finally kind of getting back mm. to 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 those motivations and like mm-hmm. wanting that um, to experience that again. Yeah. Not that you know you, you you shouldn't pretend to be a saint because you're running for local office, right? But sure. but just the idea that you can have a direct impact on people um, that can be positive. So for me, uh, from there. I got into uh, business initially. Um, I went down to Florida. Uh, the friend I mentioned, who ho- who now uh, helps out at Squirrels Nut Butter, was living down there. And he was like, hey, we started working on this my last semester at UW. He's like, hey, um, Solar City is offering residential solar leases to people all over the West Coast. And the thing is, there's when you lease a system for your house there's no zero dollars down it gets put up and installed for free then you just make monthly payments it's like a 20 typically a 20-year lease Mm -hmm. um so the lease would get transferred if you sold the house Mm -hmm. but the cool thing is the systems are big enough especially in florida and produce enough um power Mm -hmm. that it completely covers your 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 utility bills so you might have been paying 200 in utility bills now you're going to get all that energy from your system, and you're going to pay $130 to mm-hmm. lease the system for that month. So you're mm-hmm. saving $70 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so the model is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just have to have funding. Um, you have to have some other things figured out. You have to have a lease mm-hmm. um, that's you know legally binding, and uh, the lawyers looked over it, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. So we started working on this, and he's like, I know I have a solar system. I know these manufacturers down here are producers mm-hmm. um got these venture capitalists that are interested we can start this company mm-hmm. i was like 
sounds cool. Um, it was super interesting. So I moved down to Orlando and, um, I mean, I suppose there's a tinge there of the same theme of helping people. I mean, that that's helping people save money. Yeah. Um, it's helping, you know, the, the planet, yeah. uh, by way of, uh, using yeah. alternative energy. Yeah. So, you know, still had a bit of that, but yeah, I, I moved down there. It was a ton of work. Um, we were young. I was 20, God, 22, 23. No, how old was I? 23. Uh, and he was about the same 24. Yeah. Uh, and you don't get a lot of respect from <laughs> rich people when you, uh, are young and have ideas or at least not these rich people. Um, so oh, man. it did capital holding white guys <laughs> that are just holding on exactly. to old ideas. So yeah. it didn't go oh, terribly well. Um, we did, I think we ended up getting maybe 70 systems installed during, while I was there for about six months. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, we definitely got off the ground, but, yeah. uh, I had to, to leave for a number of reasons, um, including living in Florida. Hmm. You guys lived in Florida? <laughs> no, I've never been. I can't imagine. I mean, I it's just, pretty bad. I just, I just see the it. headlines. So that alone, I was like, I got to go somewhere else. It wasn't, wasn't for you. Wasn't no. There is this, there's this real motiv- motivation to action. So like, um, yeah, Cody, you keep pushing towards this, and it's like... Um, you're not satisfied with something that's just focused on learning. It has to be the applica- application of whatever you're learning. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. I've never thought about it in those terms, but I think that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So then where did you go from Florida then at that point? Yeah, then I um, really just uh, was disillusioned by establishments. <laughs> uh from academia to business i was just like man the world is kind of a rough place to yeah. to, to find a way um so from there actually i had met uh jackie um we had met at my um my cousin's wedding so she went to college with my cousin mm-hmm. um and so we had met and and we were dating and uh she was living in san francisco mm-hmm. which it's a lovely city. Yeah. I'm not huge in city living, but I could definitely live in San Francisco, yeah. aside from the astronomical housing costs, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I went out there and uh, yeah, just, like stayed with her for a bit. She had been working for a, a big company, uh, actually for real. Um, they make milkshakes. They're the ones at the gas station. Mm-hmm. So you go in and you get it out of the freezer and then they have like a little blender that adds hot water and blends it right there. You ever seen these? I have. Oh, never oh seen man. That, huh? They're in thousands and thousands of convenience stores huh. around the country. They're actually delicious too. I'm going to have to hit up a convenience store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a new, <laughs> new <laughs> concept for Dan. This is a new route of administration right. for some of that pure white that sugar. sugar man. <laughs> I know you're talking smoothie. Dan perked up. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. There's an, ast- there's an insane amount of sugar in these things. Yeah. They're very Perfect. good. Do you ever hear that? Insane <laughs> amount of sugar. Yeah. yeah. You'll um, be hopped up. Up for way too long. Yeah, when we finish oh, this, I'll just I'm get it over to my, <laughs> my nearest convenience store. Yeah. So she was working. She was. So she was doing real? design uh, for, for for real. For real. Um, okay. It's like F apostrophe real. Okay. For okay. real. Uh, and she was pretty over it and was like, "Man, I don't know, it's so expensive in this city, and I like barely cover my bills, and this job sucks. I'm gonna quit." And I was mm. like, "Yeah." So so she did. Yeah, establishment <laughs> yeah, sucks. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She did, 
and we basically traveled around the U.S. for like a year, including like a three-month stop in Flagstaff. Oh, okay. In the yeah. fall of 2014, we stayed uh, with my aunt and uncle uh, who live here oh, okay. for, yeah, a few months, um, which was cool. But yeah, we traveled, I think, I so I kept, a, I should have brought it, but I actually don't even know where it is, so that would have been difficult. <laughs> but I kept this journal where I wrote everywhere we went. Oh, cool. And it was like, I think... 33 states wow i think like 18 national parks yeah. um did a ton of camping yeah, yeah. staying with friends uh it was awesome yeah. it was super fun yeah. uh some crazy crazy drives one time we drove from san francisco to boston oh, oh gosh man. that was nuts yeah yeah uh the first day we drove 24 hours straight yeah. and oh. we made it to iowa we were only in iowa yeah we still had so far to go <laughs> like halfway <laughs> you start seeing stuff at that point like uh, i is... we it was like 5 a.m and i was like we have we have to so we yeah. we stayed at a hotel and they let us check in then for like the stay that that upcoming night yeah. and i think legitimately i just slept, slept yeah, for like time. 24 yeah. hours yeah. is this how do you do you do you remind yourself of that experience when you're on some of those endurance runs and yes you're like yeah, this is way better than sitting in the car for 24 Could be driving hours absolutely yeah. oh, I, I i think too the the, the mentality um sort of they, they they work well together uh like the ability to go out and run for yeah, eight hours yeah. yeah and then you get in the car to go on a road trip you know 12 hours somewhere and yeah. you're like it's not, not that bad i yeah. mean yeah at least i don't have to run <laughs> like at least i just <laughs> get to sit, sit here, here. <laughs> yeah. and then when you go back to do the running you're like well at least i don't have to sit in the car yeah, yeah, yeah. they, <laughs> they work so you yeah. just build each you do, an, right. you do an eight hour run 12 hour 12 12 hour drive 14 hour run yeah 16 hour, hour drive exactly. <laughs> so th this is uh i don't know the, i was just reminded of this big tangent but we lived in denver colorado yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's eventually where we moved after traveling around okay. a bunch yeah. and we lived at the end of the street right up next to these train tracks yeah. so you'd see the trains go by all the time yeah. and i was convinced that i wanted to be a train conductor in part uh -huh. because i was like I could sit and stare out the window for <laughs> hours and get paid <laughs> right yeah. every day. Yeah. Um, that didn't happen. But. It didn't work out that way. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a really, really yeah. good way to take it to the man. Take yeah. it to the establishment. <laughs> it's drive this oh, train. You're paying me <laughs> to, to see sit the and country? watch the yeah. countryside. <laughs> oh, no doubt. Yeah. I've finally won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Eric, when, when you were in Flagstaff for that three months, you mentioned keeping a journal. I was wondering how that time here, did it inform moving here eventually? Yes and no. Um, having living so we were in our mid 20s at that point mid late 20s me and jackie um living with adults after being on your own yeah. for so many years yeah. was i think especially hard for her especially because it wasn't her family yeah for me it was just like ah oh, it's becky and todd they're great they don't <laughs> care what we do like we're yeah. having a good time <laughs> um for jackie it was like this this isn't fun um which i totally understand i don't think i saw it so well at the time but um wisdom Hindsight. comes with age yeah yeah <laughs> and uh so, so she did not want to move here mm -hmm. uh when we moved to denver i had suggested flagstaff and she's yeah. like no yeah. and i was like all right well you know she liked bigger cities i like the mountains so that's how we came upon denver, denver. Yeah. but it turns out you're really not in the mountains no, in denver and uh i think what she realized was she liked san francisco not cities 
um, and those are different because <laughs> San Francisco yeah. is a very uniquely cool yeah, city. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, I don't really like Denver. Um, so we were there for about two years, and it was, yeah, I never really felt integrated with the community, and traffic was just crazy, yeah. and it was just, yeah, ne- never enjoyed it yeah. all that much. So towards the end of that, when we were thinking, okay, we're going to move, where are we going to go? We actually came here for a wedding for a friend. Okay. Um, and that was in the summer of 2017, I believe. Uh, and I'll have to ask him. Um, might have been 2016, but I think it was 2017. And had a great time. And yeah. had a blast. And, you know, friends. And it, it was great. <laughs> and then that started. That's that's when I started my campaign. There that was go. my first true campaign. Yeah. <laughs> um, to, Moving to Flagstaff. <laughs> to get yeah. Jackie to, to move to Flagstaff. And uh, we did. And... It's been it's been great. Cool. It's been a lot lot better. Seventeen was when you when you landed here. October first, twenty seventeen. We moved in a little place in Sunnyside. And okay. w- one thing I like I always like to tell people, the day we moved in, we had seven different people stop by to either help yeah. move in or say yeah. hey or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if we had seven people visit our apartment mm. in two years in Denver. Wow. Right. Um, and and I think that that paints yeah, you know a, a very. A, a picture about Flagstaff that I really think is is accurate mm-hmm. in terms of the community. It's, mm-hmm. it's an extremely welcoming, open, um, friendly community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is something really neat about it. Can you can you talk a little bit about like integrating into the community and what it was like from there? Um, like you know, I'm thinking like running, becoming part of Coconino Cowboys. How that formed everything? Yeah, around that. So again, having family here and having um, running connections and having. Uh, but, you know, been here for a wedding for a friend that lives here. So we, we knew some people. So that, that was a good start. Yeah. Uh, and specifically, one of the big reasons I wanted to move here is this is one of the best places in the country to train for, for well, in, endurance sports. Yeah, but yeah. running in particular, trail running for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, and I, I started to make these friends out here um, who had sort of self-created this group that they were calling Coconino, the Coconino Cowboys. And, and the, the, the head of, of the organization, you might say, uh, hard to really call the, it that. The syndicate, yeah. Yeah. the chief of the tribe. Yeah. Uh, ju- really just this guy, um, Jim Walmsley, uh, I had raced against going back to 2014 yeah. um, at the JFK 50 mile, which I referenced earlier on. So he and I had known each other for quite a while, and um, Jim's sort of like uh, amazingly uh, charismatic, despite not seeming it at all. Um, <laughs> it's 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 quite interesting. His ability to kind of connect people yeah. and yeah. and kind of in a really subtle way, like motivate people, like get you to want to get the most out of yourself. Yeah is really impressive. Um, I don't even know, I don't know how or why, I don't think he knows how or why, but there's something about him that just, um, I think people gravitate towards, but, and so in that sense, he's charismatic, but, but like, if you like talk to him, you'd be like, oh, that guy was nice. Um, maybe a little, little weird, but yeah, yeah, I mean, super nice guy. Uh, so it's just sort of an interesting, yeah, uh, juxtaposition in any case. Um, he was here. Uh, that was definitely part of like, oh, I want to go there and train. I met Tim Frerichs and Cody Reed, 
who he trained with at some races in 2016. Mm-hmm. So I'd met those guys. Um, Jared Hazen was moving here. I'd raced Jared back in 2015. Um, we got to know each other a little bit. It's just like, yeah, kind of this perfect storm of like, uh, made sense for five, five different guys to be here and, um, get together and train. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, became kind of the, yeah, the, the Coconino Cowboys, um, uh, and and we just started training together and we were all winning races it was crazy oh <laughs> like, yeah did that come from jim then being able to you talk about that subtle ability he seemingly has to push people or else to draw people towards him and then elevate that yep. growth yeah is yeah did that come did the winning start because there was just that weird ambiance to the group collective i think so i think so um Jim is a sort of person who, uh, well, you train with him and he's going to try to drop you at some point, <laughs> like pretty much every run. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if you're competitive, um, that doesn't sit well. Yeah, yeah. You don't like that. Yeah. And so you start saying, well, next time I, I got to figure out a way. Yeah. Or at least not get dropped. Yeah. Dropping him would be a big ask. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I at least got to close the gap like yeah. something um and and then you, like with any i guess team atmosphere um the energy sort of spreads out and yeah. like once somebody's doing well and running well you're like well i did that 25 mile training run with him and i mean i kept up and he just won this race hmm. so i, I think i yeah. should definitely go out and win my race yeah, yeah, um yeah. So, so then that, that ball gets rolling and all, you know, there's really good energy and just everybody's feeling confident and that's mm-hmm. a big part of, uh, life, but endurance sports in particular, a big part of it is believing that you can do it, mm-hmm. um, yeah. believing that you can win. So, mm-hmm. um, that's a tool that, uh, sh- should not be undervalued. And, mm-hmm. and that's something again, that Jim's really good at and kind of starts to instill in you mm-hmm. this idea that you think you can win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so y'all kind of met through racing, ended up in Flagstaff together, started training together, and then sort of saw or like this natural, um, we can do something with this in our in our own races. And then there was the Jamboree, was that right? That's right. Uh, what, what was known, what historians will call and are now <laughs> calling the Cowboy Jamboree, um, yeah. which was in 2018. Okay. Yeah. And so one thing I was wondering was, did, did y'all create Coconino Cowboys or did, did the internet create that? Yeah. So Jim, Cody, and Tim created Coconino Cowboys. Yeah. So they came up with the name. Um, I think all of your listeners will know this, but we are in Coconino County. So that's where that part comes. (laughs) And, uh, listener in Poland. So So to be clear, Flagstaff, in fact, is is the seat of Coconino County. Yeah. And can you say that in Polish? (laughs) For For our Polish listener. That one guy. Um, and the, the Cowboys, you know, alliterative, it's, you know, Arizona, there's Cowboys. Yeah. So, you know, the, the name, uh, I yeah. guess, came that way. Yeah. Alliteration. Uh, so can yeah. you tell us about Jamboree? Like what exactly yes. that was, how it, how it developed? Selling Dems. Selling Dems. We're back. You probably thought that this is a new milestone for us. We're going to our third commercial today. You know what I got? What do you got? Free recliner. It's an older oh, so recliner. So it's free. Free. No cost. Yeah, there's no cost. This joint costs you nothing. It's an older recliner, showing its age but still comfortable. 
Some of the, quote, innards, end quote, seem to be so worn, it doesn't recline like it used to. But feel free to come by and check it out, sitting on my front porch. If you want to feel free to just take it with you, address should be on the app. There you go. But you're probably wondering, what's the post ID? What is that post ID? 718-845-2039. Write it down. Get Dems. Innards are worn. Free recliner. Get Dems. So can yeah. you tell us about Jamboree, like what exactly that yes. was, how it, how it developed? So the Western States 100 or the Western States Endurance Run is the oldest 100-mile race uh, probably in the world, definitely in the country. Uh, and it's run out in California from uh, Squaw Valley where the Olympics were held, I think in 1960, back in the 60s, uh, to Auburn, California. And like I said, 100-mile race, it started as the Tavis Cup which still goes on today, which is a horse race, which is 100 miles long. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as legend has it, um, this guy, Gordy Ainsley, uh, one year, uh, his horse came up lame, and he decided to do it on foot. And he did in just shy of 24 hours. And thus, the the foot race, Western States 100, was born. Yeah. So it has a lot of um, history. Uh, the, the best runners in ultra running, uh, certainly in American ultra mm-hmm. running, have, have run it. Uh, many have won it. Um, it's drawn pretty impressive international fields in more recent years. It's a very competitive race. It's yeah. it's really the pinnacle of, of the sport. So we all said, well, look, we're training together. We think we're all really good. Let's make that point. Um, let's all get into the Western States 100, go run it, kick some ass. Now, the thing about the Western States 100 is there's 369 spots. Exactly. Uh, something with the forest service permit. Yeah. They, they limit that sort of thing and make it exactly <laughs> solid solid 369 <laughs> right. 370 yeah. it's just easier it's the line you know yeah. yeah uh and there it's tough to get in it's a lottery yeah. and the probability that you get in through the lottery is incredibly low because there's tons of people trying mm-hmm. to get in mm-hmm. but there are um 10 spots uh for men 10 spots for women where you can race in mm-hmm. so you you run some qualifying race earlier in the year Mm -hmm. and you finish top two if you finish the top two finishers get an automatic entry into western states Mm -hmm. so we had to go out and run these races so trying to remember that year um you could also get in through um resume basically the ultra trail world tour which is a governing body globally uh is part of western states is part of their race series so they also have spots so i think jim got a spot through ultra trail world tour but was well deserved you know he had every reason to get in um cody went down to texas and ran 100k uh outside of san antonio finished second he got in then there was the black canyon 100k just south of us on the black Mm -hmm. canyon trail um from mayor arizona down to uh just north of phoenix and I was running it, and my buddy Tim was running it. I got sick the week before, so sick. It was awful. It's like only the third or fourth time I've ever thrown up in my life. Oh, wow. Like, never throw up. I was very sick. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, ah, I'm going to give the race a try, and I felt terrible. And I, I think I ran with Tim for like the first 20 or 25 miles, and then I dropped at mile 30 halfway in. But Tim Tim won, so now he's into Western States. Now he yeah. got three of five. Mm-hmm. So like I said, I, I didn't get in through that race. There was one more uh, called the Lake Sonoma 50 Mile. Very fast race, typically a very competitive race. Um, so me and Jared Hazen are running that race. 
as was Jim, but he already was in Western States, so that was fine. Uh, and as it turns out, me and Jared got the two the two entries to Western States. Um, yeah. we, we ran well enough to get them. Jared did beat me, I guess I should say. But you know. <laughs> so, so I got the official last yeah. Uh, ticket. So yeah, we all got into this big, you know, marquee hundred mile race, and yeah. uh, that was the Cowboy Jamboree, as we called it. Yeah, and then y'all went to Western. So yeah. with um, with that Lake Sonoma, was there pressure? Because was was that like one of the last races that you had to get the ticket? Exactly. For? And yep. and. You were the, did you finish fourth or was it third? I did. So the way it works is the tickets roll down if someone who finishes ahead of you is already in. Okay. So the Jim won, he was already in. The guy who got third, Mario, had, had run a race and gotten in earlier in the year. So yeah, okay. it was fourth. Yeah. Because yeah. there's like an iconic photo of you crossing that line. Yes. Yeah. Ended up on the, the front of Ultra Running Magazine. Yeah. So I became very famous. I think yeah. circulation's like 500 people on that night. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ultra oh, famous. Man. And I think yeah. my mom bought like 20 of them. So, yeah. uh, shout out mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's my mom's birthday. Happy oh, birthday, mom. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. 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 What's your mom's name? Jean. Jean? Jean. Yeah. Happy birthday, we'll Jean. Shout out. Does she have yeah, an, no doubt. an IG? She does. Yeah. Yes. <gasps> okay. I'll, uh, we'll, we'll look have into that, that after. Okay. Yeah. And she'll be in town on Monday. Hey, I mean, oh, Jean. All right. Yeah, this is great. She's yeah. doing it. Is she supporting your platform? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Yeah. She would Shout probably, no matter what I said, because yeah. she's a mom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just unwavering support yeah. and blind. So, um, but she probably believes most of it. Cool. Yeah, believes yeah. in most of what I have to say. So she's showing up on Monday, Labor Day. She's going to knock door to door, hand out yeah. buttons. She, she flew out here in March and went door to door to get hey. to help me get signatures oh, nice. on my petition. Oh, okay. man. Like Dang. I said, blind, unwavering support. <laughs> yeah. I like, yeah. Shout out, Gene. Shout out. Yeah. 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 And happy birthday. So maybe we could transition. So using running um, to your political platform yeah. in, was it January, February, somewhere around there? You did, you, every single street was the name of it. That's right. Yeah. Can you give us the rundown on that? Yeah. The, the short story is I ran every single street in Flagstaff. Um, it took 19 <laughs> days. It was, uh, yeah. now I'm forgetting the mileage. I think 422.5 okay. miles it took. Yeah. Uh, it could be done shorter. I started quite a few runs from my house, which required some mm-hmm. covering streets Multiple many times, times yeah. but s- certain parts. Um, so I got this idea uh, sort of twofold. One, um, a friend of mine, Ricky Gates, uh, he, uh, he's a beautiful person. Very, very interesting um, like I told you before we started, his, his sponsor Solomon put together a short film on his Every Single Street project, and there's a link to it through my website, ericsensman.com, um, that's just beautiful, and mm-hmm. everyone should watch. I would encourage it. But Ricky had run across the country um, years ago, and he didn't do it for speed. He did it to better understand americans in yeah. america yeah, yeah, yeah. um and he actually wrote a book called cross country that came out earlier this year um about that experience so he yeah. finishes in san francisco where he lives and uh as the story goes about a year later he goes to develop some film from some photos he had taken and he goes to pick it up and the woman says did you run across the country and he's like yeah yeah, I, I did. Um, and he said that that was the first time in a long time that he had felt, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, special, or like he was doing something special. Mm. Um, because that was obviously a really neat journey for him. Yeah. Um, 
So he he had read about this guy who walked all the streets in San Francisco, but it took him like you know, 15 years, like a super long time yeah. because there's tons of streets. Mm. Um, San Francisco is about seven miles by seven miles square. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. It's almost like a perfect, yeah. like, but it, I mean, it's big, yeah. surrounded by water yeah. and then like a pretty clear demarcated line yeah. to the South. So he, it's like over 2000 miles. Uh, no, that's not true. How many is it? 1500, 1200, uh, somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah. But then you can't, you can't run it perfectly so it's it, you're gonna run roughly 30 percent more mileage than the actual mileage of the streets so he ran like 1800 miles wow. in like 55 days or something it was crazy wow. he was running like 30 40 miles a day oh my god yeah so he he does this project and so he names it every every single street he hmm. sort of gives the the movement a name yeah. not that he was the first one to ever do it but you know, yeah. to popularize it so I, had, I, had, I knew about that. I thought it was super cool. And I always thought, oh, I'd love to do something like that someday. Yeah. Then this past year, this past fall, I was at a city council meeting. And what they were discussing was the parcel of land at the corner of Eldon Lookout Road and Schultz Creek Road, um, where people park yeah. to access the Schultz Creek Trail. Yeah. So that's actually private property. It's not city owned. The why there. That's yeah. right. Um, right next to it is city owned property that's mm -hmm. designated open space, but that small little parcel is, mm -hmm. is private. So they were discussing possibilities of, for purchasing that land, et cetera. And w I can't remember who it was, but one of the city council members di didn't know where that was. Hmm. They were like, you know, sorry, where is that? <laughs> like the map that was shown was pretty zoomed in. Yeah. So they had to like, there was this whole back and forth for a minute to like figure out where it was. And I was like. If you're in city council, you should know every like, damn what the why is. Yeah, like you, you should yeah. know everything about this city. Hmm. And I was like, so should I, because I want to be a city council member. And if you ran every street, you'd know the city pretty damn well. Mm -hmm. um, I should run every single street in Flagstaff. Yeah. So yeah. that kind of came together. Um, and then, yeah, starting, I think it was January 30th, I started earlier this year. I started started running. Yeah. All the streets. And you said it was about 400, like 422, 420, yeah, two. <laughs> yeah, to be very exact. Yeah. Dang, you cover that in a couple weeks' time? 19 like days. 19 days. Yeah. So I think wow. I averaged like, um, I was doing basically like 150-mile weeks, so 22, 21, 22 miles a day, I guess. Wow, okay. Yeah. yeah. So you did every single street and flagpole. What did you learn about Flagstaff through that? Yeah, a lot. Um I mean, on a practical level, just like where a lot of stuff is. Uh, I don't think I've had to use Google Maps since uh, that project, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I know I, all the streets pretty well. So that's, that's cool. Uh, I learned about a lot of parks um, mm. that I didn't know about before. Pretty much every uh, little neighborhood has a yeah. park, yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is really neat. Yeah. Uh, that, that was cool. But more, more broader strokes, bigger picture. I think one thing I was able to see is how how the city's connected or perhaps how it isn't hmm. by way of um, roads, by way of non-vehicular um, means of transportation, trails, bike paths, yeah. sidewalks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I saw where... Uh, where it would make sense to expand. Um, and some, a lot of these plans I've learned since are in place, but it, it's good to have 
uh, corroboration with, with what I believed in, mm-hmm. in being out there. But yeah, where it would make sense to expand, um, what neighborhoods, uh, are underdeveloped or overlooked, um, what neighborhoods are super nice and I'll never live in, yeah. um, <laughs> like Pine Canyon. I sort of ran that illegally. Yeah, you have got, to hop the fence? Or? Yeah, well, there's a spot where the urban trail actually goes through. Oh, right, yeah. But I, I, it is a private neighborhood. I don't think you're supposed to be in there. But yeah. Right. <laughs> Sometimes you got to break the rules. Yeah. Uh, the urban trail was there. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's like right. Gray. It's um, a gray area. Yeah. Gray area. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Uh, the, yeah, I, I guess those were some of the, the big takeaways. Um, it, it was a bit like, a, I don't know, like a city planning uh, mm. mission in some sense, like on foot. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was, it, it gives you, I think, a better appreciation for the place that you live and a better understanding of um, the different neighborhoods and how things are sort of segmented in in good ways and bad ways uh mm-hmm. so yeah um it was a it was a really neat project and i'm glad i did it yeah no doubt well it seems that um that would lend into your platform and so like um i guess i would wonder can you share some of the issues particularly that are important to you that you're running on yeah absolutely um the 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 thing that initially got me interested was like i mentioned i've had the the good fortune of traveling around a lot, especially Mm -hmm. in the U S and there isn't, I've never been to another place that has, that, that affords people the easy access to trails and open space as as you have in Flagstaff. I mean, you, you can drop someone. What I, what I like to say is you can drop someone in Flagstaff anywhere in the city limits Mm -hmm. within a half mile. They can be on dirt or in an open space Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or out outside not on pavement Mm -hmm, i mean it's mm -hmm. it's incredible Mm -hmm. uh i think that's something that brings a really high quality of life for people that live here um and i think that it's part of part of the culture and character of this town Mm -hmm. and something that people um people like about this Mm -hmm. town as we grow and we are growing uh, I think it's important to have some to to ensure that that continues to be a priority. Maybe not the number one priority, mm-hmm. but a priority um, that's balanced with the other things uh, that the city needs. What the other th- the other thing the city needs is housing, uh, and we, we talked about this uh, before we got started. But um, re- you know, reports say we're six thousand units short of where we should be, mm-hmm. and if you're six thousand units short, that means demand is far outpacing supply. That means it's much easier for landlords to charge more mm-hmm. for rent. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That means housing prices are going to be higher. Um, and it, that means it's going to be difficult to mm-hmm. bring in new jobs mm-hmm. uh, because where where are you going to house people? Um, it's difficult to bring in higher paying jobs, which mm-hmm. I think we need. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to have the housing for it. It all comes back to the housing. Mm-hmm. And I think the 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 issue is there's always an issue mm-hmm. um someone always has a problem with where something's going to get built mm-hmm. uh and until people understand and the community understands that we have to make some sacrifices to improve this place for everyone uh housing costs chief among them uh it's going to be that we're going to just keep running into the same problems mm-hmm. so you know i think i uh, when it comes to housing, what we build should be thoughtful. It should be intentional. It should be well designed. Um, 
and that it should use space efficiently. You know, we need multi-story buildings to, to house people. We don't have an infinite amount of space. We're surrounded mm-hmm. by forest, mm-hmm. national forests. We mm-hmm. can't expand forever. Mm-hmm. And so you have to start thinking about what's this place going to look like in five or 10 years. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't, you can't just keep building single family homes spread out all over the place. It, we, we will not be able to build enough housing given our finite mm-hmm. resources and mm-hmm. our finite land. So, um, it's hard to enjoy a high quality of life mm-hmm. when you're paying 40% more than the national average for housing, mm-hmm. uh, in a town that really doesn't bring a lot of high paying jobs. Yeah. That's a staggering number. Yeah. Boy, you summarize it well. And I should say, um, you, you have this in addition to other aspects of your platform articulated very well at your website. So it's ericsensman.com. Yep. We'd encourage everyone to go check it out because you formulate these ideas there. Um, and you address, I, you know, I came across a tweet from Adrian Scabalund um, mm-hmm. recently that I think epitomizes exactly what you're talking about. He said, uh, one of the largest challenges I see for Flagstaff is that every resident strongly believes two things simultaneously. One, the cost of housing in this city is ridiculously high and must be brought down. And two, all development, <clears throat> excuse me, all development, regardless of location or form, must be stopped. <laughs> yeah. Very well put. Yeah. And so I think, so I read, read that, listening to you, you're, you're addressing exactly the same thing that he's addressing there. Um, does that intimidate you or is that daunting to think that that's what you would be working with moving into city council? Um, I, I think the short answer is no, but probably because I haven't thought about it uh, <laughs> enough. But I think um, the an, another, I suppose, way that I approach things is if something isn't in my control, mm-hmm. but I'd like to see that thing become a reality, mm-hmm. then I ask myself, well, what what is in my control mm-hmm. that I can do to make this other thing that I can't directly control happen. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I think that's the, I would, I would use that sort of format in this case and say, okay, I can't change everyone's mind because I can't directly talk to every single person. Um, but what can I do? Yeah. I'd have to think about that more, but I think having a more open and transparent local government is part of that equation. (laughs) And I think, so many people's um, frustrations or uh, beliefs about how the city's doing are based in not knowing the full story. Mm-hmm. And they don't know the full story because it's not made transparent enough at the city level. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm talking about laws, uh, for example, that people aren't aware of. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, well, well, why can't we do this? Well, it turns out that's illegal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the state has a law mm-hmm. that says you can't do that. That should be made more clear by the city. Mm-hmm. This is we can't we can't do something yeah. like that. Um, similar similar examples when it comes to zoning. The, z- the zoning is pretty complicated. It took mm-hmm. me quite a bit to understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't understand the zoning code, and so mm-hmm. they have issues with you know some of these student housing projects. But what they don't know is some of these student housing projects never needed approval from city council mm-hmm. because the parcel was already zoned for that f- for that sort of housing. Yeah. And yeah. so the developer got to build that 
mm. scot-free. Yeah. Uh, so, so these sorts of things, if you can make them more clear, I think is going to change the perspective of people yeah. in terms of what they're willing to accept and the compromises yeah. they're willing to make. Yeah. I think it falls back on one of the premises that you established or that, that applies to the philosophy that you follow, where if you can apply information, so if you can provide information to people, many of them are likely going to come to a similar consensus or at least a better understanding. Some never will. Yeah, right. <laughs> because it doesn't matter what information you present. Yeah. But your goal is to present information and to make decisions based on information. Exactly right. Exactly right. And yeah, I mean, you can't fault, uh, you know, the citizens if they're not given all the information, mm -hmm. how are they supposed to come mm -hmm. to a conclusion mm -hmm. that that is accurate? Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I would agree. So a level of transparency with all that. Yeah. As I have that same experience, I'll look at like some of those student housing projects. I'm like, what the f put this here? Like, who signed <laughs> off on this? You know what I mean? Like, and yeah, yeah just totally confused. And, yeah. And so experiences like, well, where did that come from? It changes dynamics a little bit. Like all of that stuff. I think it'd be really important to know as a citizen um, how these things come about. Yeah. 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 And, and that it's a much more complex issue because yes. all those factors yeah. related to supply and demand, the fact that people need housing yeah. and we're not providing it, um, yeah. all those things are so salient. And so I can have a passion for wanting to house everyone, but that's going to come into contradiction with not wanting any development as well. Yeah. yeah. I think you articulated it very well. Yeah. You got my vote. <laughs> um, I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering, is now the time? Is now the time that... You're going to announce a presidential bid? <laughs> Sensement in 2028 or what? <laughs> Am I old enough? I know, How old do you have to 2024. be? 2024. 2024. Sensement 2024. Oh, could, you're old enough. Because you, you have to be 35. You're 35, is that I'll, right? Yeah. I'll be 35 in four years. There so. we go. Okay. There. Yeah. So do you want to go ahead and announced. put that out there now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. let it be known that this platform was the one where <laughs> it was first said. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. That, yeah. That's the important thing. Get that in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been such a huge pleasure to sit down with you. We appreciate you taking the time, sharing about uh, your experience in coming to Flagstaff and then uh, what your aspirations are in life, both as an athlete and as someone that's passionate about taking action. Yeah, yeah, I want to let you know we support you. Um, it's also encouraging to see people who are younger getting into the into the political landscape and start pushing for some of these things. We didn't even really get there in this interview so far, but like um, renewable energy and a livable yeah. future, I think yeah. is just vital um, to me. If I don't hear a candidate talk about it, you're not getting my vote. Sure. And so I was really encouraged to see that um, just on your website and part yeah. of your platform as well. Yeah. yeah. Going out, there is one thing that I felt to mention. I don't know if you know this, but as a member of the Coconino Cowboys, you guys have a, a rival-run <laughs> group in town. It's the Wolf Pack. Have you heard of the Wolf Pack? You know, I feel you like I've seen pack? that out there. Are you guys affiliated? <laughs> um, I, <here's> <laughs> <laughs> the, the Wolf Pack. Wolf Pack, yeah, man. We're like a running club. Um, we just like... Are you know. the chief? Are you the chief of the? No, nah, are you I, like the Jim Walmsley of the? The, of the Walmsley? Nah, probably Jesse Coddington. If you know Jesse Coddington, he I, he runs New Roots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know Jesse. Yeah, yeah. He's a good friend. Anyway, we run a lot together, and back in the day, we called ourselves Wolfpack. Um, That's fantastic. Which I think came from this like personality test, and all of us who were friends at the time, <laughs> we were all wolf, <laughs> like we all got wolf, and Jesse was like a crow. 
or something like that. <laughs> his like his animal so or whatever. Your was personality curled. was was on the basis of an animal. Yeah, interesting. This is a, he's, yeah. he's a licensed psychologist. Yeah. I'm a licensed psychologist. This is this is bona fide clinical psychology there. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we have more of a penchant for finishing in the middle of the pack and yeah. drinking beers and that kind of thing. Yeah. So if you get, yeah, yeah, if you guys ever hear some howls right, right. out on the trails, that's who it just is. Get, get off that's the trail. That's good to know. <laughs> get off the trail. Yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate you guys having me on. This has been great. Um, at some point, I'm gonna have to put together a list of people and businesses that endorse me. So. Um, I don't know how many different names you have for, you know, uh, Beyond Flag, but um, <laughs> hopefully there's several iterations. We can yeah. add them all to oh, the yeah. list, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. make yeah. them look like it's many different businesses. Oh, we could do that. Yeah. Could we hashtag business names? <laughs> <laughs> Boomerang names? Yeah. yeah. Oh, for we'd sure. be happy to talk about for that. For sure. No doubt. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, yeah. Again, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you both. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right, here we are. Back in the dun-dun. Captain Americana just left the dunny. And all intact, in one piece. Yeah, all intact, one piece. What would you take away from Eric Sensman? Dude, first and foremost, after this, I'm going to go home and shave my mustache. I got to <laughs> reset, man. I got to start over. <laughs> your, your mustache is shying away from his? Yeah, man. He's just so beautiful. Yeah. Mine, again, <laughs> looks like the landfill off 89, man. Just, just garbage. <laughs> Picked over. Picked over. Oh, I feel so bad. So maybe the best thing that came out of this for me is I'll shave my mustache and my wife will look at me again. So it'll be all right. There you go. Yeah. 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 I, that was such an enjoyable interview. Um, and what a wide range of experiences he had. Mm. The thing that kept coming to mind for me as the interview progressed is like uh, he clearly had like a curiosity about the world, like wanted to learn mm-hmm. about different things, but that um, he doesn't like staying stagnant just in the process of learning. Like he yeah. wanted to take action. Like he wanted to put what he would learn, mm. apply it into some real world application of that. So yeah, for sure. Seem oriented towards action. You know, it seemed real evident when he was talking about his teaching experience where the people had given, mo- his uh, students had given money mm-hmm. to that mm-hmm. program, that like there was something about that action that really... Um, sat well with him mm-hmm. that really lined up with what's mm-hmm. important to mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. and it seemed to me that that really informed him like i gotta do something actually mm-hmm. like just being in the classroom fitting the academic mold isn't gonna work yeah i thought that was really neat uh and i also got a call i mean not to center myself here but like uh how about when i asked the question about whose baby was that not your favorite part of the interview or what and he says well actually was it peter he's like, uh, he he says that's actually a really stupid question. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I appreciated yeah that he brought up that that question had been identified as not relevant and further as stupid that it could be characterized as stupid. Yeah, I, I could just see you just just basking in your sick jollies over there. Uh, just loved, happy. Well, I loved it in the moment because um, I understood your pain because I know how much you love jorts and so. For me, the question all made sense. And then when he was able to uh, to really <laughs> pinpoint what a dumb question it was, yeah, it took me to a good place. Just because I'm trying to justify keeping my jorts. Yeah. Like, how can I, anything yeah, I can yeah, get yeah. here. I'm too sucked into your world. So I was colluding with like how that's a reasonable question because of how much you love jorts. Dude, I love my J's. I love them. It'd be really hard to get rid of my jorts. 
Speaking of jorts, I mean, it's it's on the horizon here. I'm gonna, the weather's going to turn. I'm going to have to put yeah. them on the shelf for a while. Are you going to transition from jorts into japris? <laughs> japris? Yeah. I would literally, I'm pretty sure my wife would kick me out the house or kick my teeth, my teeth keep, face in. I'm going to keep pushing this idea to see if we can get it. Japris? Oh, man. I don't know. If you could, if you could find a good pair of japris... <laughs> Might rock them. Give me, give me some, some of your pants. I'll make them some Japris. Make some Japris. That might work out. You know, we're doing the telehealth thing, so it's like I can really wear whatever I want on the bottom. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I mean, was there much caution to that before telehealth? Yeah. I mean, at least for something, not jorts. <laughs> that is true. The jorts only came out yeah. after telehealth. Yeah. No doubt. Well, tell you what. Give me a pair of pants. Okay. We'll, I'll see what I can do to make them a pair of Japris. A pair of Japris. You got it, man. I'll see if I can find some sweet Japris out there. All right. Well, why don't you take us out by shouting us out? No doubt. So you can always hit us up online at our website, www.beyondflag, flag spelled. F-L-G. And then you can always find us on the Instagrams. Our, our um, what do you call that? Our name is beyond underscore flag. At us. At us. <laughs> and get on that post. And I don't want to, like, maybe a nice shout here, Dan, but we're coming up on 30 Twitter followers <laughs> yeah. here, man. Yes. Can you say circle A-S? <laughs> Circle A S. Circle A us. Circle A us. That's at us. Yeah. Oh Lord. I think we just dropped down to twenty-seven followers. <laughs> we can also find us on the Twitter. We're yeah. at Beyond underscore flag. Check it out. And Dan is doing a real good job maintaining <laughs> that joint. So nice shout, Dan. All right, check it out. All right. In the meantime, take care. Love you.